0: Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartPodcasts, and how the tech are you? Yep. So, I've been doing several episodes on big news stories of 2023, and I think you could make a strong case that this shouldn't count among them, but it is the conclusion of a pretty darn dramatic journey in tech. A journey that, fittingly enough, is about transportation, and how a blue sky concept turned out to be perhaps a bit too far into the clouds. So we are talking about the end of the company, Hyperloop One. First, let's turn back the clocks a whole decade to the spring of 2013. That's when Elon Musk published a blog post that gave details about something he had been hinting about for a while, since late 2012 at least, which was a new concept for mass transit that could work within or between cities. It involved an enclosed tube within which aluminum pods would zip about at incredible speeds up to 800 miles per hour, or nearly 1,290 kilometers per hour, and... That this would transform travel between cities that were too far apart to easily drive between, but perhaps too close together to take a flight from one to the other. So, how would this all work? Well, for one thing, the idea was to pump out most of the air that was inside the tube. This would help reduce wind resistance significantly. The pods would use what were called air bearings, that is, they would use a cushion of air to hover inside the tube, kind of like an air hockey table works. And powerful electromagnets would provide the propulsive force to push-slash-pull the pods down the track. Passengers would sit in the pods, they would accelerate up to top speed at a rate that, you know, wouldn't turn them into soup. And similarly, they would decelerate at a rate that would be gentle as they neared their destination. Actually, Musk had a couple of different variations on this idea. So early on, he suggested that these pods would have a pair of compressor fans, one on the front and one in the back. And the idea is that the ones in the front would take the air ahead of the pod and transfer them to the fans that are in the back. So it goes behind the pod so that the pod doesn't have to actually push through the air. I have no idea how that would have worked at speed, but that was the concept Musk outlined. Anyway, Musk estimated that it would cost around $6 billion to build a track between Los Angeles and San Francisco, and that a trip on this Hyperloop would take about half an hour to go between those cities. If you were to drive that route, it would take you nearly six hours to do so. Musk's idea seemed to target cities that were just the right distance apart, so that the trip would take... You know, a lot less time than it would driving, but it would make more sense to take the Hyperloop than it would to take a a flight. Musk was essentially telling the world, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could do this? And yes, it would be cool if we could do that. It'd be cool if we could do a lot of things. But he was really hoping that someone else would jump in and try and actually do it. He said he couldn't really afford to take time away from his other companies, those being Tesla and SpaceX, and then spend that time on the Hyperloop concept. Apparently, transforming transportation is not worthy of distraction, but running Twitter into the ground is. Sorry, I can only go so long while talking about Musk before I start getting snarky. Anyway, while Musk would dip his toe a little bit in the field, he went so far as to launch The Boring Company, which at least initially sounded like it was meant to dig tunnels that would house Hyperloop tubes. The real push was to inspire other people to embrace the concept of Hyperloop and try to make their own version. One person who Musk spoke with actually before publishing that blog post was an investor named Shervin Pishavar. The two had talked about the idea privately and Pishavar repeatedly encouraged Musk to go public with his concept. And once that happened, Pishavar founded a company initially called Hyperloop Technologies. This was in late 2014. One person whom Bishovar reached out to was a former engineer for SpaceX named Brogan Bam Brogan. And no, that was not the name his parents gave him, but he changed it after getting married when he and his wife sort of merged their names together, and I think that's kind of sweet. Anyway, while engineers got to work trying to figure out how to turn this Hyperloop idea into a practical reality, Peshavar helped secure funding through various investment rounds. And he did okay with that. He raised tens of millions of dollars in the process. But this was a very, very expensive endeavor, right? Tens of millions doesn't go that far when you're talking about designing and then building out a prototype of something that would be a brand new transportation infrastructure. Now, the first couple of years at Hyperloop Technologies were fairly quiet. The company was hiring engineers and building test facilities and prototypes that kind of thing, they built a, a test or started to build a test track out in Nevada. Uh, eventually, they would complete that. In 2016, the company actually changed its name from Hyperloop Technologies to Hyperloop One. It also migrated away from the air bearings design that Musk wrote about in his blog, and instead, they looked to a magnetic levitation design. So maglev trains have been a thing for a while. And it kind of made sense to reduce the number of brand new technologies that you were going to rely upon and replace some of them with tested and proven ones. Like if you're using all new technologies all down the line in your very complex system, something's not going to go right. So if you look at other companies in the Hyperloop space, you'll also find that most of them deviate to some degree from the original proposal. Some of them deviate wildly from the original concept of Hyperloop. Anyway, by early 2016, Bam Brogan had been named Chief Technology Officer, or CTO, and a guy named Rob Lloyd was the CEO, but drama was right around the corner, and you can't really take corners with a Hyperloop design, because you need these really, like, long, graceful curves to be able to change direction. Anyway, the summer of 2016 would see a real shakeup at Hyperloop One. Bam Brogan suddenly left the company. Now, the official statement from Hyperloop One was that Bam Brogan had decided to take a step back, but Bam Brogan himself would contradict that statement, and he did so through a lawsuit. He was also joined by three other employees who brought charges against the company. Bam Brogan accused top executives of Hyperloop One of engaging in financial shenanigans and abuse. He was essentially saying people were funneling money away from the company for their own personal benefit. He also said that he had been threatened physically by leaders at the company, and he accused his co-founder, Pishavar, of leveraging Hyperloop One to essentially promote himself. So Bam Brogan was saying that executive leadership was more concerned about using the company to upgrade their personal status rather than, you know, build a new kind of transportation. The company countersued Van Brogan and accused him of plotting to take over the company that his whole thing was that he was going to overthrow leadership and take over because he wasn't satisfied with where the company was going. And it all got very melodramatic. But the parties settled out of court in late 2016. Bam Brogan went on to found another company called Arrivo, or Arrivo if you prefer, A-R-R-I-V-O. Ultimately, that company had trouble securing funds, and it shut down in 2018. But anyway, let's get back to the Hyperloop story. So, we're going back to 2017 now because Bam Brogan has left. He files his lawsuit. The company countersues. They all settle out of court. And now in 2017, that's when Richard Branson's company, Virgin, made a significant investment in Hyperloop One, essentially acquiring the company. So, the company rebranded itself again and now called itself Virgin Hyperloop One. Later in 2017, The company lost its other co-founder, that of Shervin Pishavar, the investor who was really the driving force behind the company being founded in the first place. So why was that? Well, the reason for his departure was that multiple women had stepped forward and accused him of sexual misconduct. Those were charges that he denied, and he claimed it was actually part of a coordinated smear campaign. True or not, he stepped down from the company or was told to step down. He maintains it was his decision. Others said that he had no decision in in the matter. The board of directors told him to resign. And Branson essentially took over Virgin Hyperloop One. Now, while all this was going on, the engineers at the company were still just trying to develop the technology and hoping that Hyperloop would remain solid around them. Virgin Hyperloop One built a test track in Nevada, as I said, and ran multiple tests of maglev technology. In fact, in 2020, the company even conducted its first and only test with human passengers inside a pod before they had all been unmanned tests. The test track wasn't nearly long enough to push the pod to the insane speeds that Musk had envisioned but it still got up to around 100 miles per hour or you know like 160 kilometers per hour so still really fast just not fast enough to cut a trip from you know Los Angeles to San Francisco to just 30 minutes the company changed names again in 2020 it dropped the one from its name and it became Virgin Hyperloop and no it it would not be the last time that the company would change names okay we've got some more drama to get through before we get to that i'm going to Reduce the drama here by taking a break to thank our sponsors. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Okay, we're back. We just left off in 2020 with Virgin Hyperloop 1 becoming Virgin Hyperloop, and things went a little quiet after that. Uh, You know, there was still work being done at the company, there were still plans for tests, there were still plans to deploy Hyperloop uh, transportation around the world in the future. In early 2022, the company announced a major change in its focus. Rather than building out a transportation system meant for human passengers, the company said the new goal was to build a way to transport cargo. Now, this was a pretty big blow to the kind of utopian view of what Hyperloop was meant to be. But representatives of the company said the change was due to how the pandemic affected travel, as well as how it highlighted bottlenecks in the supply chain. And arguably, this move was an effort to address a real-world need. The supply chain was without question a delicate thing. And as we learned through the pandemic, a small disruption in the supply chain could ripple out and escalate into huge problems. Also, moving stuff around carries way less risk than moving people around. With people... You have all these troublesome regulations that you have to work within just so, you know, folks don't get reduced to goo as you try to get them from point A to point B. Ideally, you don't want your cargo to become goo either. But if it does, it's way less of a headache than if you were moving people around. A change in focus to cargo was seen as something that would ease engineering and regulatory challenges and make the Hyperloop a more practical and potentially realizable goal. Late in 2022, Virgin removed its branding from the company. And once again it became Hyperloop 1. And Branson pretty much, you know, got out of Hyperloop 1 at this point. So if you're keeping track, here's how the name of the company changed. It started as Hyperloop Technologies, then Hyperloop 1, then Virgin Hyperloop 1, then Virgin Hyperloop, then back to Hyperloop 1. That's 5 names. In 10 years, which kind of reminds me of how I was hired in 2007. And I've had five or six different corporate overlords while technically I was still holding the same job, or at least I was still on the same career. There's a ship of Theseus kind of thing going on here. Anyway, a few years ago, the folks at Hyperloop One projected that there'd be working Hyperloops by 2020 or so. Obviously, that didn't happen. It didn't happen from Hyperloop One. It didn't happen from any of the other dozen or so companies that are trying to make the Hyperloop idea work. And since 2021, pretty much all the top brass at Hyperloop One left the company. Like by the end of 2021, you didn't have anyone there at the company who was a founder or uh, original executive. They had all left. The folks leading Hyperloop One by the end of 2022 were just not the same people who founded or led the company in previous years. It's really hard for any company to hold itself together with that kind of massive shift in leadership. And keep in mind, this was a startup that still was just closing in on being a decade old. Ultimately, Hyperloop One was not able to hold it together. The company is now shutting down, and its intellectual property will go to its largest investor. Which is a company out of Dubai called DP World. The Hyperloop company that was arguably both the most famous and the most likely to achieve Musk's vision has now called it quits. There are still other Hyperloop related companies out there that are still working on these challenges. A couple of them have actually drifted away from really anything resembling a Hyperloop and gone with more conventional forms of transportation, things like maglev trains that aren't traveling in any sort of tunnel or tube or anything like that. And you could make a decent argument to say that it's too early to call Hyperloop well and truly dead, but it sure as heck isn't doing great. Even Elon Musk has moved on. The Boring Company is in the process of creating a network of tunnels under Las Vegas, Nevada. But rather than using pods to whisk Folks around, or even sleds that would whisk people who are sitting in their cars parked on those sleds around. Because that was an alternative. They said, well, maybe we don't need to build the pods. Maybe we just build sleds that can levitate above the surface of the tube and people will just sit in their cars. They'll park on a little sled and get taken to wherever they need to be, and that'll cut their transportation time. That's not happening either. Instead, the tunnels that Musk is digging under Las Vegas. It's really just a network of underground roads and Tesla vehicles are just going to drive around on those. This is not reinventing transportation. It's just building more roads. And it definitely isn't mass transit because a Tesla can only hold a few folks at a time. A lot of people have argued that the Las Vegas project is just a huge waste of time and resources, that it's not actually addressing challenges in transportation. It's just going to you know, make things worse because you're just adding more congestion. It's just as happening under the city as opposed to on city streets. But it's not going to make any meaningful difference in the day-to-day experience that people have while they're traveling through Las Vegas. And I think there's some valid criticisms there because this really isn't anything like the original vision that was pitched back in 2013. So it seems like Musk himself has given up on the dream. Uh, A lot of people have said that the engineering challenges are far too great for us to meet in a way that is financially practical, and that any real effort to build one of these things, even if it worked as designed, would be so prohibitively expensive that it doesn't make sense. Others have argued that it's inherently unsafe. That if you have this enclosed tube structure and anything happens to the tube, let's say that there's some seismic activity that shifts elevation along part of the route. What happens to pods traveling at 800 miles per hour down those tubes? That is a pretty scary thing to think about. So a lot of folks have said that this idea was never really doable, at least not in the original concept. And that once you start to whittle things away so that you can make it more practical, the question remains, well, why are you doing this at all? Why not just build a regular maglev train, something that exists in lots of places around the world? And it's hard to come up with an answer to that that doesn't seem hokey. Anyway, I thought it was worth exploring the story of this particular company just a bit. I didn't have Hyperloop One biting the dust on my 2023 bingo card, but then again, to be honest, the reason for that is I haven't really thought about the company in more than a year. So maybe that's a, a good indicator as to why it, it you know, called it quits this year. Anyway, I thought that merited an episode of its own. I hope you are all well, and I'll talk to you again really soon. Next Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
1: It's brand new, season two.